0: I think I'll go ahead and get started. First of all, you know, as we're going through this stuff, ask questions. I mean, as we're going through, if you have something where you're like, stop, what are you talking about? Um, I guarantee right now, I do not have all the answers, especially when it comes to this subject, where the Bible tends to be sparse in some areas and more detailed in others. I will say that pretty much what I'm going to try to do is focus on specifically what the Bible says. Okay? Because there's a lot of other stuff out there, especially when it comes to the subject. The other thing, though, is there's not just a lot of stuff in the culture about it, but there's also a lot of um, apocalyptic writings that were very popular in the day of Jesus that do add and talk more about some of this stuff. Um... I'm even going to try to keep that out. I'm going to try to keep as much as I can to what we see the Bible says. Although some of that gets filled out, but we don't really know if it's inspired or what people are. Or people are just filling things in, Mm
1: -hmm. like
0: we might want to. Um, So I'm really going to try to, I think my goal here is to take us through sort of a survey of what the Old and New Testament says. And what I especially want to do is make sure we have time to talk actually about spiritual warfare. So I first want to lay out what are, if we say spiritual warfare, warfare against what? Okay. (laughs) Okay. Um, So that's what I want to sort of set out first is what, what does the Bible say about those types of things in the Old and New Testament. And then get into actually more of a practical what do we do given that we have these powers and principalities and these things that um, we're going to be looking at and what they're trying to do? Okay, um, so I want to start.
2: Did you bring any paper?
0: Yes, I did, and oh, just hang in there for okay. just one second. You, you will have paper, believe it or not. You will have paper. Okay. Oh, but speaking of that, um, one of the things I will get you is I have all. I have all the notes and the detail, a whole lot more verses and everything. That I'm going to cover tonight, so I will put that all together into something I can send all of you. Oh, so okay. you don't necessarily have to take notes on which verses and stuff unless you okay. want to. So I will I will get you all that okay. as part of this too. Okay. Um, all right. What I want to do is I want to start by opening up with a prayer in Ephesians. All right. And um, Ephesians, as you're going to find out, is one of the central books we're going to look at, especially when it comes to spiritual warfare. Uh, but what I want to do is start out, Paul has two prayers in Ephesians, and I love this first one because actually as I read it, I was thinking, I, I in a sense, nobody's going to compare myself to Paul, <laughs> but I feel like Paul with this group in a sense of what he's praying here, okay, and I think this is for all of us, all right? Um, he's praying this to the Ephesians church, I feel like we're praying this for each other, As we as we start out, so it's just a wonderful prayer. This is what he says. He says, For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints. And I think about that with this group. I think, boy, what kind of faith has grown in this group? I know it has for me. (laughs) Reading through the Bible, but not just reading through the Bible in a year, but reading through the Bible with the discussions we've had. It's just, I mean, I know for me, I have learned a lot and I think most of all it's been the camaraderie and everything that we've had here. And I still go back to, I would never forget in my entire life reading the email that came from, I think it might have come from you or, or Pat, the rather having the idea to do this for the women. And I want to hijack that. I'll be blunt. I'm like, this is perfect for doing for the guys. So Steve and Chase and Charlie and I, thank you for letting us um, come into all this and do that. So it's been a huge, huge blessing. So uh, thank you. Um All right, so it says, For this reason, because I, Paul, I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks to you for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the wisdom, the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your heart enlightened, that you may know what is the hope Name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is the body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. And so I just pray right now, Lord, that as we collectively come together in your spirit, the temple of God, through the spirit that lives on us, through the Christ who sits at the right hand of the Father right now, Lord, We pray for your protection as we talk about these matters. That you are, we already know that you are Lord over all of it. You are sovereign over all of it. You have power over all of it. And we right now pray that in no way does Satan get any kind of foothold in our discussions. We pray right now that he is not allowed in this space, period.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And Lord, just that we can learn more about who you are and what you have done through this. And how we can be with you here on earth, people who are not just living in this world, but not but people who are of your world, the ultimate heavens that you are today. So just um, watch over us, guide us, guide this discussion, and be noticeable among us. Um, speak to us each personally as we open up your word by the Spirit, in Jesus' name. Amen. amen. All right, so what I want to start out by doing... And give you something to write in. So these are the little journals. Some of you have seen these before. This is for the book of Ephesians. Um and you will see in the back, there's like a couple different extra pages too if you want to take any kind of notes. With
1: okay. it. Uh, so we're gonna
0: be focusing more on that as we go through. Um chicken and the spiritual warfare heart. Oh, thank you. Yeah, so, thank you. Um. And if anybody, anybody need a pen? Okay. Pen, pen, pen. Going once. Pen, pen. Any <laughs> other? everyone's got? got Good. Thank okay. You. All right. Awesome. All right.
1: uh,
3: I
4: sense yeah.
2: yeah. a trish. <laughs> <laughs> Hi. Hi. We heard you Hi. Up. Hey. What time did it start? Hi.
0: Well, it started at 6, but you can grab some food if you want. Right, what time is it? Oh, 6.30.
5: Yeah. Thanks. And
0: here's this. Feel free to grab pizza. Hi. <laughs> I know. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> <I told.
2: laughs> Is there any way to get on the Wi-Fi? I mean,
0: yes. Go. So, um, I go it. to church by the sea?
2: I did, but it, it's not
4: allowing me to type in anything.
0: For the password? I mean, it's not. Yeah. It's,
3: you clicked on not the guest one. one. Name for oh, don't go
4: shirt. to don't guest. Do, don't go to guest. Oh, that's mm-hmm. the problem. Yeah. All okay. Two.
1: Church by the sea. Oh. Hey, Thank you. That.
6: Great. This is amazing. You are done. I just, well, thank you. <laughs> amazing. Oh, okay. And what's the password?
0: A little, oh, all small letters, little zero. Not like a zero, like the number zero. I'm okay. um, sure. <laughs> The word zero? No. Oh. The, 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 the
4: okay. <laughs> number
0: zero. Yeah. Little zero, zero church. All small letters. Yeah. Oh, uh, is
2: yeah. that surf here? Hmm? Is that surf here?
0: It is for the guest. Okay. But she's special. <laughs> she can get she gets one. I never Thank forget you. that one. I always forget
5: that
1: yeah.
0: one. Want some water? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I want you guys to look. First of all, as sort of the focus, as we're going to go through these, as we go through these scriptures and we take a look at the subject, um, what really came to my mind first is a very well-known verse. Okay, a known passage that many of you have probably heard before. But I want us to just read this, and I want to talk about it in context of what we're going to be talking about. So, does someone want to read, so at the beginning here, this is Romans eight thirty-one through 39. Um, who wants to read it? I'll read it. Okay, why don't you go ahead. Okay. If God
2: is for us, Who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Know in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able Separate
0: us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. All of God's people say, Amen. "Amen." So you know you hear this. <clears throat> this, I mean, this is a. I mean, we call this a great promise. It's a great truth of Scripture that nothing will separate us. Okay. And but when you hear that, I wonder, do you ever feel like there is things that separate you <laughs> from God? Yeah. You know, what, what do you, when you think about it, what, I mean, what separates you? Because so we, we hear this Sin. promise, but uh, go ahead, what? Sin. Sin. Be specific. Vices. Hm? Vices. Vices. Okay. All right. What else, what else separates us
5: from Going your own our,
0: way. the love of God? Hm?
5: Going your own way.
0: Going your own way.
2: <laughs> <Sin>.
0: <laughs> Doubt. Doubt. Oh, good. Doubt. I like that. Fear. Fear, fear. All right. Think so about I mean, the things that the happening. world.
2: Just the world. I mean you forget yeah. about God. You just get caught up in mm-hmm. whatever you're doing. Yeah. Okay.
1: debauchery Debockery.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: so
0: here you have where we have the scripture, and we can read the scripture, we can claim the scripture, and we can say this is true, which it is absolutely true. But when you think about it, our lives are constantly having things that are trying to separate us from God, to keep us from God. And I think if one of the number one reasons why we're going to be talking about the subject today is because, ultimately, these powers and principalities, there are forces, there are beings, there are things, not just our sin, okay, not just going our own way, not just our own fears and our doubts, but there are forces that are trying to separate us from God. But Christ says... Nothing can separate us. So it really brings up the idea, I mean, the thought of, okay, so if nothing can separate us, but we feel like we're separated, (laughs) how do we close that gap? How do we, when we know and we feel that separation, we feel we're not really living this way, how do we close that gap? Okay, and that's part of the reason why we want to really talk about this subject, because ultimately what I would say these forces and everything is trying to do is it's trying to get us away from the presence of God. It's trying to say, no, God really doesn't love you. No, God really is not here. Because we don't see God, right? And we don't see these forces either. But he's trying to separate us from that. And so the Apostle Paul wrote Ephesians in large part to try to say, what should we do? Okay, to really say, here's a book I'm writing to the Ephesians, and they were struggling with this. How do we not be separated from God who promises us that there is no separation? And what Paul does is he really covers in Ephesians a lot of this, a lot of stuff here in detail of what we just read in Romans, about claiming who Jesus is, what he's done on the cross, what he has done for us. But what happens at the very end of Ephesians is Paul says, these are all the truths But there needs to be something else. We need to participate in that. We need to do something. Just sitting here going, I'm going to claim these for this, doesn't erase that separation we feel from God. All right. And so ultimately it comes down to are we actively in a relationship with God? All right. Versus just knowing what the truth is. Alright. And probably the way that I think about that. is in fact in Ephesians, Paul uses marriage actually as a me, not as a metaphor for what Jesus has done with Christ and the church, but basically says the ultimate reality is Christ and His bride, the church. We're in. I don't know if you guys know about this, but all of us as believers are married to Christ. We are the church, we are the bride, the church, and we are in a marriage relationship, not like a human relationship, but a marriage relationship in which are, those of us who are married, that marriage relationship reflects ultimately what Christ is for the church. Commitment. Commitment. Well, and that's what I'm bringing up in this sense. So if you think about it, for those of you, either if you're married, even if you're not, if you've had relationships with anybody, you can sort of get to get this. But so I was thinking like with my wife, um, just the other day, after going, I mean, I was sick for like a week, and, um, you know, we both live, so we have a one-bedroom condo, and she works in that, in the living area the whole time. So my wife is always home. Michelle's always home, 100% of the time, all right? And a lot of times, if I'm not here, then I'm also home, too. But it was interesting, she came up to me the other day, and she goes, I just feel like we're just like two ships passing the night. (laughs) You know? And which, you know, I I get that. It's like, okay, we're both here. We're both in the same room all the time. But she feels that way. All right? And I think that's a different, in a lot of ways, a reflection of what happens with Jesus is that, We are married to him. We are in a relationship with Christ. We have been saved. We have been reconciled with Jesus. The relationship exists. Like I can say, I am married to Michelle. That is a fact. That is a truth. All right? But if I don't act on that, (laughs) to keep that relationship going, I can still be married, but not be in a relationship of marriage. All right? So... Both have to happen. So we can a lot of times claim truth and I can just go, well, well, honey, I'm here all the time. Mm -hmm. You know? I mean, I don't see why you feel that way. I mean, I'm here. Okay? But why does she feel that way? Because we're not really communicating. Okay? Or we're just sort of doing our own thing. So if you think about it, that's very much like what our relationship with Christ is, is. We can... Say, yes, we have this relationship where we're saved by faith, but we have a part that we have to do to keep that relationship going.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And a lot of times the reason why we feel separated from God is because we don't, we, we're not keeping that relationship going.
1: Mm-hmm. All
0: right? And part of this, like we go through this today, is really saying, how do we keep that relationship going? How do we make sure that we can actually know that Jesus isn't like Michelle? <laughs> Going, I saved you. You're mine for eternity. Why are you still living away from me? Why are you still living in the world? Why are you still sinning? Why are you still letting all these things come against you? Yes, we've got this relationship that we're saved, but are we living that out in the sense of actually actively being in relationship with Christ? And with, as opposed to like a marriage relationship where it could be both, either person, the thing with Jesus is He is always there for us. He's always there waiting to be in that relationship, and when we have that relationship, that ultimately is what keeps us to go to basically fulfill this promise of Romans. Okay, so does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Just to sort of give us a way as we go through this. So, I want to cover just a couple diagrams here as sort of a foundation of when we talk about spiritual warfare, when we talk about the powers and the principalities and stuff that is really important for us to keep in mind. Um, so, I want you to take a look at this first diagram here. This is where a lot of Christians and a lot of people, we get confused. Because we wonder, alright, well, if I'm saved, why am I still experiencing all this in the world? Why is sin, sin still to me? Why do I still feel all this way? All right, It's because as Jesus says we are in the world, but he says we are not of the world. Of the world. All right, And so we are living in a time right now A very, (laughs) a very precarious time, which we have been since Jesus died on the cross, even before then, where there is this clash of these two ages that are going on. And this is really important when we're reading through scripture and for our own lives to keep in mind, that we go, why are these things happening? Well, they're happening because we are still living in what's called the present evil age. Alright? So if you look down there, this present evil age is something that that is the description that actually the Apostle Paul gives. We are still living in this age where there is a tension between this world and the age to come or the kingdom that we also belong to right now. All right. So we are literally like people torn <laughs> into being pushed between these two worlds. And the way that, I'll just read a couple of verses, the way that Paul puts it in Ephesians it says, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of your time, because the days are evil. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's I'll be blunt. It's not that today is any more evil than 2,000 years ago. Mm-hmm. The days are evil. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is a period in which we live in. And then in Colossians, it says, Jesus has delivered us from the domain of darkness, which is down here,
1: mm-hmm.
0: He is. He is. And, I, and I'll and I'll give you guys these verses later. So I'll just read them right now. Um, domain of darkness and transferred us us up to the kingdom of his beloved son. All right. In whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of our sins. So when we were saved, when we put our faith in Christ, mm-hmm. we no longer live just down here. We now live between these two worlds. <laughs> All right. And both of them are going on at the same time. And. I did, I remember I did a sermon for this little church when I was in Colorado Springs on Colossians 3, 1, through 4. Because it talks about where is our reality as Christians today. And this is what Colossians 3 says. It says, if then you were raised with Christ, so all of us were raised with Christ, seek the things that are above in Christ's world, all right? Where Christ is, because this is where Jesus says actively today, seated at the right hand, set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. Are you guys, all of you doing that today? <laughs> okay? Um, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ and God. When Christ who is your life appears, then you also appear with him in glory. In essence, what Jesus is saying, whether we experience it or not Mm -hmm. is that when we put our faith in Christ we are literally now raised with him living in the heavenly realm you probably don't feel that but the reality is spiritually we are actually with Christ today in that realm and so we have this tension between living with him which ultimately we will live with him forever physically and the tension of the world below yeah. Uh huh.
2: I don't know um, if I can ask this right. You can. So, um, cool. well, I, I, I. <laughs> <laughs> so does that mean that that part of that he- heavenly realm has to do with the beings that are in that heavenly realm? Yes, it does. So very good. Okay.
0: Well, that's a great question. In fact, I'll just answer that for right now because we're going hit more of this. Is who is up here? At the very top, there is Christ sitting at the right hand of the Father, literally today. Alright? He sits at the right hand of the Father, Hebrews says, interceding for us. There is this evil, there is the world down here. You are right. In between these is sort of like a hierarchy of other beings which we're going to look at. Alright? It's not just God by himself with Jesus. Hey, you know, how's it going up there? But... There is a whole host of beings Mm -hmm. that are for and against God, as we'll learn. Mm -hmm. Some of those Mm -hmm. beings live in the heavenly realm, okay? Underneath, hierarchically, underneath where God is. And some of those beings, like demons, live more within the earthly realm,
2: Mm -hmm.
0: all right? And so you are right, there are beans in here, which we're going to talk about.
2: (laughs) So, so my question Uh is this, and maybe there's not an answer to this, I can't think of a biblical answer to this, but do only Christians have access to the beans that are heavenly?
0: In a way, I want to, well, that's a great question. Um... When you say that we have access to
2: well, or they have access to us? Yes, so that might so it's
0: both ways. And let's say they have access to us, Mm -hmm. okay, those beings have access to us.
2: But only Christian, I I guess my question. Christian or not, those
0: beings, whether they are, uh, whether they are, as we'll learn, whether they are evil, satanic, or whether they are angels still in God's realm. They do have the ability to influence us. Well, right. Which is exactly that. what we we're talking
2: about. But. Yes. But, yes. I guess. Christian I, or not. Okay. So, okay. So the heavenly being, I'm just, uh-huh. I'm just trying to think if, um,
0: It's a good question.
2: Believing in, uh, in Jesus. Uh huh. Uh, it, it doesn't, cause you're, I'm thinking of this. Yes. That that um, the the angels are because there are beings in heaven, mm-hmm. and we believe in heaven, but Uh-oh. it's it's for everybody, right? I know that the demons have <coughs> right. we right. here on earth, right? Okay, because we're here on right. But what is a non-believer outside?
0: Well, because a non-believer is down here.
2: But, but so a
0: non-believer. Ask, so think of this connection right here as yeah. the relationship we have with Christ, today because we place our faith in Christ.
2: I do I understand, yes, but my yes, question is: yes, uh-huh. you've got the non-believer down here, right? So do, does he, the non-believer, do do these? Do the heavenly beings interact with
0: non-believers? Yes, they do. Okay. Yes, they do. Okay. 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 Now. We're going to find out later on then when we start talking about, like, can a Christian be demonized? <laughs> okay, I oh. mean, can a, can, a, can a demon inhabit a Christian? Well, yeah. What those beings can do to us as a Christian is very different than what they can do to an unbeliever. Okay. But we can okay. resist them. Right? That's right. <laughs> exactly. That's right. Okay. <laughs> Which is what we're going to talk about. <laughs> all right? Okay. So, just to give you guys an idea here, there's tension here. All right? We, as believers live in this tension. So, in some ways, I'm going to say that can be, in a weird way, comforting to know. If you go, I think I'm going crazy because I, all this stuff is going on. Well, it's going on because it's the reality of the world right now. Mm-hmm. The reality is we live in this space and we live there until we either die now or until Jesus comes again. All right? And so when we, Jesus was here,
2: he lived who? with
0: those demons. Yes, he did. I mean, he was very aware of that. That's right. Exactly. Okay. So, alright, any other questions? Okay. Oh. Yes. Uh-huh. So there is a hierarchy. Yes. Of, uh, people in the above who also live on the earth. Are there <laughs> heavenly <laughs> beings that live only in heaven and do yes. not exist on earth? So hold that question. Right I didn't there. hear his question? Can I hear
2: it? Go ahead. Go ahead.
0: Are there beings who live only in heaven and don't live on earth at any way? Mm-hmm. And the other way around? Yeah, we're going to talk about that. We'll talk about that. Okay. So good stuff, right? The last thing before we actually get into some of this stuff, more <clears throat> detail, is I want you to take a look at these three diagrams right here in the middle.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I put those here because this is where, as Christians, we can get off base. <laughs> there are three, inf- three general things that influence our lives, alright? Causing us to separate or so- causing us to not feel connected with God, or to separate us from God. Three influences. The world, I'm talking about what we put that, but the world, oh. <clears throat> sin, and Satan and the demons. Okay, the evil spirits. Those three things work against us to try to separate us from God. Alright? It's important we don't try in our lives oh, to weird. overemphasize one versus another. At different times, in fact, a lot of times you might not even know the, the difference. In fact, you can see that, they, like almost like a Venn diagram, they sort of connect. So, if you look at the one on the left, all oh, that doesn't really look all that good. It's, it's pretty, it's pretty even. Okay, you have the world, the flesh, and the devil's three ways, the things that influence us to keep us separated from God. Mm-hmm. But what can happen a lot of times within, I'll be blunt, <laughs> within the Christian church is there can be too much emphasis on one thing versus another. In fact, I think, I don't know, I think maybe the reason why we're even doing this discussion right now is because I think in our Bible recap, I forget who did it, sort of raised the question as we got into the New Testament. Why don't we talk about this more at church? I
2: did.
0: <laughs> okay? All right? Yep. Well, the reality is we should, mm-hmm. and we really should be talking about all of them. Okay, and different churches are going to have different (laughs) emphases at different times. So That's not really a criticism of little church. It's just that all of these need to be part of our discussions, all right? So maybe at one time, maybe Jeff, you know, at one time will give a sermon series on Satan, okay? He's done different sermon series where he focuses more on one of these realms than another, But with us as Christians, we always need to keep an awareness that these three things influence us, and we don't necessarily, we can't necessarily always distinguish, oh, that was sin, or that was the devil, or that was the world, because a lot of times the way they influence us are all sort of mixed up, all right? Mm -hmm. But what we don't want to do is get too heavy on, like one thing we might get too heavy on is going, it's just all sin, it's all sin, it's all sin, it's all me, it's all sin, I'm mm-hmm. just in sin, okay, and it's not endeaving. realizing, yeah, 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 and not realizing there are evil influences on us, that the world is affecting us, mm-hmm. okay, mm-hmm. or, what happens in some areas of the Christian faith, the Christian church, and I say that very generally, is you have this huge, you guys maybe be a huge emphasis on everything is demonic, Yeah. alright, mm-hmm. there's a demon in that food there's a demon in this here there's demons in everybody and everything that you have or you have sniffling or you have a headache it's a demon and they want to <laughs> exercise you as a demon and i have to say i i've been to some conferences and been to some yeah, things where just... that is exactly mm. what happens there's this huge overemphasis of the demonic and then pretty soon all you're doing is you're focusing on Satan, and you're not focusing on Christ, who's the one who gives us victory over that. So it's really just for us to be aware that those things always need, you need to keep all those things in mind. If you're saying something's affecting me, it might be one or the other, it might be all three working together. And by the way, I will say, Satan and the demons will work through all those means. Mm -hmm. He works through the world. Mm -hmm. He works through our sin. He works through his
5: demons. Yeah. Um, it's interesting you say it like that because I've never heard of a church like talking about the devil so much. So that was their focus. I never heard that. Oh yeah. It. But, yeah. Did it oh. that last sentence, That that became their focus. Mm-hmm. Like they talked about it so much that it. That's like, well, you rephrase it because I don't want to talk for you if they're interested. No,
0: but that's you. You can go to some churches. Yeah. And some churches do stuff, it. Yeah. Like, We're oh, just as oh. like. You just really? hear yeah. demons talking. Yeah. Go to Good them. Assemblies of God Church, an old-school old <laughs> one.
4: Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, I'm not making fun. Just old school. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What's the
2: difference? Sorry. I went to God <laughs> Church for a long time. And they I did, too. <laughs> it's I by, did, too, but
4: I went to a, like, more refined one, but some mm-hmm. of the ones I went to in yeah. Texas. And sometimes you just, you
0: just meet believers who will overemphasize one versus the other, too. Okay? And so just... Be aware of that. You know, all three are,
6: going, are being influenced, yeah. Greg, I have a question. Can the world influence me without it being prompted by the devil? So, yes. Okay. So I could have, and your point is then I could have a worldly influence that is stumbling me.
2: Absolutely. I can have
6: a fleshly that is stumbling me. Mm-hmm. But both of those are not influenced by Satan. God. They
0: can be right, but they but don't they necessarily... necessarily have to be. So right. that's
6: what I'm trying to figure out. But in but would the devil know that I am being influenced at the world by the world or my flesh, and just letting that happen, and doesn't have to get involved in that.
0: Yeah, we're going to talk a little bit more about that, but one of the ways when we talk about powers and principalities in that term, that term encompasses
1: mm-hmm.
0: includes well we're gonna to get to that a little okay. bit, but it, it includes um, evil spirits and demons that do work within the systems of the world
1: mm-hmm. to try to
0: oppress us and try to keep us from Satan. I mean keep us from God. Okay. okay? Um, so
2: it's part of the age of evil. It is, and I guess
0: the point I would say is we have to be. And when we get to the actual spiritual warfare part, some of it doesn't necessarily matter whether it's sin or Satan or the world. Mm -hmm. If that influence is happening to us, we have a way in which we put on the warfare, Mm -hmm. and we say we fight against that. Maybe not even fully recognizing what that is. Okay. Um, Doesn't doesn't Jeremiah say that the heart of man is desperately wicked? Innately, we have. Just wickedness in us, right? Mm -hmm. And didn't was it Jesus that said, "Out of the heart of man flows." Mm -hmm. I'm I'm forgetting the the scripture. Flows all these sins. And Jeremiah Mm -hmm. also says that the new covenant in Christ, when we believe that He's given us a new heart Mm -hmm. and a new creation, you know, Mm -hmm. would you someone else is going to?
4: No, I was just saying it is written on your heart with
0: the Spirit. Yeah, exactly. All right. Mm -hmm. Okay, so, for example, if you guys open up your Ephesians <coughs> book, um, if you look at Ephesians chapter, so this is page 8. That's what I love about having these speakers like I do this for the guys. I'm going to say, go to page 8. So if you look at page 8 at the very bottom, listen to how Paul talks about all three of these influences. Okay? He actually brings all three of them up. He says, everyone there, page 8 at the very bottom, Chapter 2, verse 1. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins. That's how we were before Jesus. In which you once walked. Following the course of this world. So there he says, you were following the stuff of this world. Alright? Then he gets another thing you're following. Following the prince of the power of the air. (laughs) The spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. That is Satan and the evil spirits, which we'll talk about, okay?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So there's a second circle. And then he says, Among whom we all lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and mind. Mm-hmm. So there's the other influence, which is our sinful influence, okay? So right there in that passage, you see Paul is talking about all three, but it's still, they, they all influence each other, okay? All right? Okay, good so far?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. So, what I want to do next is we're going to take a little path through Scripture, right? Um, so grab your Bibles, if you have your Bibles, if you can read them, not too small. And I want you to turn... When you turn to Psalm 89, this is going to answer the question about the different themes
2: that
0: are going on. So Psalm 89, the one. and I'm only to, we're only going to look at verses 5 through 8.
2: Okay. All right. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so, Psalm 89, so, uh, verses 5 through 8, it's on page 830 in my Bible. Does that help anybody? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Everyone there?
2: Mm-hmm. Yes.
0: Okay. So, this is what it says. It says, starting in verse 5. Let the heavens praise your wonders, O Lord, your faithfulness and the assembly of the holy ones. For who in the skies can be compared to the Lord? Who among the heavenly heavenly beings is like the Lord? God is like the Lord God, greatly to be feared in the counsel of the holy ones, and awesome above all who are around him. And you maybe have read that and would just read that and go, hmm, okay. But this psalm is revealing about other beings that exist <laughs> with God, okay? And so, if you look on here, it says, For whom in the skies can be compared to the Lord? Who among the heavenly beings is like the Lord? That word, heavenly beings,
2: Uh
0: is usually very rarely ever translated correctly within our scriptures. And if you look at a lot of versions, it will have a footnote there. And it will say that the literal translation of heavenly beings is sons of God. Mm. Sons of God. It oh, right? says sons of the
4: mighty.
0: Sons yeah. of the
4: mighty. Yeah. So
0: some different versions say mighty ones, but literally in Hebrew it's sons of God. Mm. Now, in Hebrew, and no, we can a little Hebrew here, is the sons part is Bene, Bene, which is sons. Okay, like, you know, I have a son, B'nai. But this is sons in plural. So we think of Jesus, son of God, right? That's a, the that's a title. Here we're talking about these heavenly beings, and they're actually called sons of Elohim. So if you guys remember, I told you before, that when you take a look in Scripture, in the Old Testament, and if you see the word God, like in verse 7, Whenever you see the word God in caps mm-hmm. it is always the Hebrew word Elohim. Here is the problem. Elohim is actually also the exact same term that's used when God says you shall have no other gods besides me. Is also exactly the same word as Elohim. Elohim is a generic term in the Bible used For heavenly beings, (laughs) okay, Okay. Um, it includes God, and so sometimes the translators, when they know they're talking about the God, it will say God and just say Elohim. But our God, who is the God who created everything, which we're going to hear about, he—there are other beings that are also are created. All right. And those are those are called captured under this thing called Elohim, (laughs) and here specifically he's talking about heavenly beings as sons of Elohim. All right, not sons of not sons in the sense of like son of God, but just that's the term that they're they're given, and we'll see why as we go on. So right here in the Psalms, it's saying there exists heavenly beings. Let's just start out with God. Okay, And if you remember, when you see the word Lord in small caps, that is referring to the personal name of God. It's specifically Yahweh, always. all right. So that's the personal name of God, Yahweh. So it's like if you said, um, if you address me like, um, you know, hey guy, or I'm a man, all right, that would be like Elohim. There's a lot of different men, all right, mm-hmm. Elohim. All part of the male race, let's say. But I have a name, Greg. That's my personal name. So the same type of thing is there is God, all right? And there is the God, which is Elohim, which is, not Elohim, which is Yahweh, which is the God who created everything. The Lord. The Lord, okay? So, So what this is showing right here is that, in fact, if you look at the next verse, it says... Who among the heavenly beings is like Lord uh, the Lord God, greatly to be feared in the council of the holy ones? So what it's saying here is that our God, for as long as we've known from creation and before we talk about, has had not just Himself up there in heaven; He has had an entourage of other beings that are surround Him. They're at His beck and call. Countless numbers, all
2: right? Oh,
0: thousands. Yeah, thousands. In fact, the Bible says tens of thousands. It uses a number that says basically we can't count
2: them, all right? And those are our angels.
0: That, that is one term that's used for those angels, okay. all right? But just for the sake of it, right they're heavenly beings, because in those heavenly beings there's also cherubim, seraphim. Mm-hmm. there's other beings too. Most of them are probably what we would normally call angels, all right? So you have to keep that in mind, that we mostly don't think that way. That we mostly think God's up there. We mostly don't think that he actually always has a whole council of other beings that are with him. That he, that they they do different things, which we'll talk about, <laughs> okay? Um, but they're always there, all right? And from the opening pages of scripture, they have always been there. There's nothing in scripture that ever says, and God created these other beings. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Alright. So we de- we never hear that they were created by God. But we know they are created by God. In other words, the creatures. Mm-hmm. Alright. They were created by God. We just. as We're going to find out in a minute. They were created before our creation account. <laughs> before God said. And I create the world now. And us as humans. Before that. This God existed with his beings. At some point, he created those beings, but he never tells us when that happens. Make sense so far? Mm -hmm. Because that keeps in mind, because we have to understand that when we think about evil and Satan and everything, we have to understand there's always been this holy council of beings that are surrounding God. So if you turn to Genesis 1... And feel free to ask questions as we go along. So we turn to Genesis one. I want you to just so that's um, page one in your Bible. I want you to look at um, uh, one twenty six. Now, in 126 it said, then God, and there is Elohim, but it's talking about the God, said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Literally the word is us there. Alright? And, there's debate. People will say, oh, well that's referring to the Holy Trinity. It might be, But in the original language here, there was no, people did not know about the Trinity then. Most likely what that is referring to is that God is saying, I am, he's sort of talking to his counsel. Let us create God, you know, humans in our image. It's not being created in the image of angels and other beings, but he's actually speaking to this, his counsel. Alright. So from the opening pages of Genesis, you actually have God with his counsel, but he's saying stuff and he's like talking, they're like addressing them. And that's
2: right. gonna say that we were created a little lower.
0: Well, it does. The, okay, which okay. is different than the ancient right. Okay, it does say that. Alright.
2: So, so well, they probably said, Well, we don't want want
0: to be just like us. Um, <laughs> <a little> lower." <laughs> so why that's important in a sense is because Then notice what happens in chapter 3. You guys know Genesis 1, Genesis 2, all right? So you have the first creation account in Genesis 1. Then in Genesis 2, you have God. um, You have the second creation account, which is more just giving more detail. The difference between the creation account number 1 and number 2, Genesis 2, is that in Genesis 2, God gets personal (laughs) with who he creates. And in Genesis 2, you're going to see all of a sudden... He addressed, He's called the Lord God, Yahweh God. And Genesis 2 is very specific in using and to give him the personal name of God because he's saying, I have created my human beings, and I'm going to relate with them personally. I'm going to be in a relationship with them. That's why I created them, to be in a relationship with them. All right? And so you see throughout Genesis 2, it's always saying, Lord God, Lord God, Lord God. Because he's creating human beings of which he's now going to relate to, Adam and Eve. Alright. But this also explains why what happens in Genesis three, one?
1: Oh, the
0: right. fall. The fall. And why does the fall happen? Disobedience. It's what? What'd you say?
2: Disobedience.
0: Disobedience.
2: Who they ate of the tree of the tree. Well, God. they were told oh. they, <clears throat> I mean they were tempted.
0: They were tempted. And who were they tempted by?
2: By, or by
0: a serpent or by Satan? Right. Okay. Adam so blamed we, Eve. What? Adam blamed Eve. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's after the fact. That's right. But that still is happening today. As We all, the guys blame the girls, or the girls blame the guys. <laughs> <laughs> we're all blaming each other. All right. Okay. So I want you to notice that it says in chapter 3, verse 1, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the other beasts of the field that the Lord God had made. So, all of a sudden, you have here a serpent, which we find out, by the way, in the New Testament, that this is Satan. All right? And we do find out through Scripture, Jesus says it like in Luke. I won't go looking up all these. I'll send you guys a lot of the verses. But he says, Satan was an angel, in essence, that disobeyed God, all right, and fell, all right, and was given rule over all the earth. What happens is, is that here we have Satan being Satan. He's obviously against God. He's trying to separate Adam and Eve from God. Well And he's still allowed to live in heaven or well Eden, wherever. Yeah, right? he's in he's in that space right. that we talked about. All right. And he can sort of go in and out of that space. But it's like, well, where did he come from? I mean, if you're reading from, when if, if you guys read Genesis 1, I don't know if you got Genesis 3, you go, what? A, s- a snake is talking? <laughs> a serpent is talking? Where did this Satan come from? We never hear about him before Genesis 1.1. Well, that's what Psalm 80, what was the Psalm? 89. 89. 89 was telling us, is that before creation, you had God already with all these beings. And somewhere mm-hmm. before the creation of the world, is when Satan and a bunch of other angels disobey God in some form, we're not told the specifics, and that is when evil started. Alright. So when you see it show up in Genesis 3 here, it sounds surprising, but it's because something has already taken place beforehand that scripture tells us about mm-hmm. later. Alright. And so what we see here is the first instance of what is the role of Satan and the demonic evil realm.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: It is to do what? Separate.
2: Separate, separate. separate
0: us. Separate. Think of that. It is to separate us from God. All right? That's his... That his People tell me he's a deceiver. He's yeah. a liar. He does all these things. The number one thing he does is he wants to say, you're not really loved by God. Even though he died on the cross, even though we have that relationship, he wants us to do sort of what happens with Michelle and I. Oh, it's some, somehow you feel like we're passing by in the night. We don't feel like we're connecting. He wants to separate us from God. Because if he does that, then we live as if we don't have Jesus, right? We continue to live in the world that way. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Is there anything in the fact that he tempted them to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? Yes. Oh.
0: So, yeah, good question. Very good question. Notice this is the first time evil appears. So the very first time the word evil appears is that there's a tree called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Alright. Before we get, before we get to that part though, I want you to watch what happens here. And this is really good instructive for all of us as Christians. In the fall, I'd say if you ever want to know how things should be and why things are wrong, Keep reading Genesis 1 through 3. (laughs) Because Genesis 1 and 2 is always telling us this is the way it should have been. And Genesis 3 is saying this is what went wrong. And I'll be very blunt. It's still like that going on today. With what you have there. Yeah, Trish.
5: Like, even before chapter 3 in chapter 2, I listened to a sermon about the first time God said that something is not good. Mm -hmm. Do you guys know what that is? I won't spoil
0: it. Yeah, what did he say was not good? I'm not gonna tell
1: you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, he gave a command, didn't he? In Genesis 2.
5: Well, I don't know if it's a command, but he said it is not good for man, uh, to be alone. alone. So Uh I never heard that before until I listened to a sermon and that was the first time my jaded Garden of Eden came in where something, where I had to think about Good and evil, and mm. like, what's going on,
0: you yeah. know?
5: Good, good. Yeah, I just had to
0: say that. <laughs> All right, so I want you to take a look now, because this is what happens to us without even realizing it, one of the little ways that Satan sort of deceives us. I want you to look at chapter 3, verse 1, and I want you to listen, watch the words. Notice it says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field, that the... Lord God, Lord God.
6: God.
1: Yahweh, Yahweh
0: Elohim, that the Lord God had made. Right there, we know that Satan, who is a heavenly being, is evil. We have to remember, Satan is a created being. God is not. All these other heavenly beings are created beings. God is not. All right. He is the one who created all of it. And we a lot of times will mix that up and somehow give Satan too more, much mm-hmm. more power than he really has. Mm-hmm. He is just one of the created beings yeah. that fell and now is the one in charge of evil. But I want you to notice what happens here. The serpent says to the woman, and look at this question, and this is a question continually is asked of us. Did God actually say? Do you know what Satan, what the serpent is doing right here? I want you to look. He's questioning, but how is he questioning? This is verse 3, verse 1, chapter 3, verse 1, tells us who the identity is who created everything. What's his identity? Yahweh, Elohim, Elohim. Elohim, Lord God, a personal God, is the one who created everything. What do does the serpent do? He asks a question. He, Notice what he, he, what?
2: he left out Lord.
0: Did you guys hear that? Good
2: job, Mark. gold star.
0: <laughs> and that <laughs> is so key. He left out he Lord, yeah, the personal out. name of God. <gasps> Why is that so important? Because he's just addressing God, Elohim, like anybody, any other, the other gods that live in the council. He just completely diminished and said, it's not that there's this one God. He's saying, did God, and he's just generically using the name God. You can think about how our that world does corrected. that today? Think about that. We do this as Christians all the time. Mm-hmm. We like, just God, God. Everyone's mm-hmm. talking about God. You have your God, I have my God. I mean, we just use this phrase God all the time when there is a personal God, one God, which is Jesus Christ. All right? I mean, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. But you see how Satan right here diminishes the authority and already starts the separation with Eve by not using God's actual name. In fact, Satan would never use the name Yahweh, Elohim. Ever. Mm. Would never say the personal name of God. Mm. He he will never address God that way. Because why? Satan does not and cannot and will not ever have a personal relationship with God. Mm. Only humans can have that personal relationship. Alright. So it starts, this whole fall starts with just the way that's addressed. And watch what the woman does. She... Mm. Falls right along with yeah, it. Yeah,
4: she calls him
0: God. Right. She calls him God, too. Oh. Yeah. So do angels have a personal relationship, or no? No. No, no not in the sense of humans. Yeah. Yeah. No. They they are there at the beck and call of God, but they do not have a relationship like humans do. Because we're not created in the same image we are to have that personal relationship. Okay. okay. So I uh-huh.
2: have When Jesus in the Lord's Prayer... As
0: hallowed be thy name. Okay. Does that have anything to do with that? Yeah,
2: and there, the I, name... i quite understood. So that's it. a great
0: question. When In the New Testament, when you hear the word the name, yeah. that is a personal way of talking, to, of relating to God. That's calling God from a... That's addressing God personally. I call you by a name. You call me by a name. And
2: that's very important. Right.
0: It, it is important. All right. Because it's called by that name. Yeah, so,
6: Greg, prior... To Adam and Eve being formed, there was clearly evil in the spiritual world. Exactly. At some point, they had already fallen. He had his own legion. Yeah. And so when Adam and Eve were created, they were ready to jump in and test them. Yep. Because their evil had, I mean, we don't know how long. It could be... Whatever, millions right. of years, or whatever. Ever. Right. But it had already occurred when they rebuffed God as God. Exactly. Okay. Right. What do you mean they were ready? Well, because we know that Satan was ready. He didn't need to go get his legions to help, um, tempt Adam and Eve. He, he didn't fall the day before from what we can tell. No. He was already an established evil being with evil people around him, his his spiritual beings. So there was evil present. Had it had already been birthed, is what I've, I guess I'm trying yeah. to say.
0: Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, I want you to just notice that Eve goes along with that. All of a sudden, God is not personal anymore. And that happens to us. We can very easily all of a sudden start treating God as like this third person that, oh, there's God up there. And forget that we have this personal relationship with God that he's calling us to be part of. Okay. Um, so you see this start happening right here between, and there's a whole lot of stuff that happens to this thing. You know, Eve, um, Satan tries to talk, Eve I sort of buys in and she adds to what God says. She takes away what God said. There's a whole lot of dynamic that goes on within this. But ultimately, so here's a question for you. Where's Adam in all of this?
2: He's there with her.
0: He's what? He's there. He's where? Say it again. He's, He's right there. With her. Do you guys get that? I guess I never thought that. Adam, it literally says it, okay? Um, okay, so it says in verse... Um, Eight. Okay, well, she took it from its fruit and ate, and what did she do? She also gave some to her husband who was behind her. With her. With her. <laughs> okay. He's
3: there witnessing the whole
0: thing. Exactly. And what was he doing?
2: Observing. Keeping car. his
0: mouth shut. Right. Doing yeah. nothing. Observing. Just sitting like there that. going, let it happen. That <laughs> <laughs> it. yeah. I mean... Seriously, Supervising people sometimes yeah. say, oh, the woman's the one who sinned. And I'm like, She's where there. was the man? He was yeah. right there with her and didn't do a darn thing. Darn thing. Thank you. <laughs> okay? Talk about culp- culpability right there. And he was the one that ultimately, obviously, God gave the command about the trees to. So if nothing else, Eve is held accountable for knowing what God said, which is what trees to eat and which not. But Adam, even more so, and he does nothing. All right? So, here's my question. What should have happened here? Let's go right back to the very beginning.
2: He should have resisted. He okay. should have stuck up for
0: her. Okay. He should have stuck up for her. What would have stopped sin at this point? What if he, if he would have it. stopped Sin at
3: <laughs> <in> the <this> point. <laughs> yes, Trish.
5: If they didn't think about it the days before.
3: <laughs>
0: okay.
1: If what?
5: Like you, you know, mean, I mean, they then starts with like the thoughts, and then you're like okay. looking at the tree, and you you know, you you go to the tree, and then he follows her to the tree. You know, so it kind of has a, a progression.
0: <laughs> okay. What stops us from sinning? What stops us from the influence of the world? What stops us from okay. the influence of
6: Satan? Christ we God? We God. start thinking about God. Right.
0: Again, what what does what does Satan wants to do? He wants to
2: separate, separate. Us. separate us. So, so closer how do closer. we not?
0: How do we go against that? Those influences of the world, sin, and Satan? We draw closer to God. We do what? Abide. closer to God. Okay. Abide. So how? Intentionally. So how? Would sin have been prevented here? What should have if, Eve if and Adam, were, Adam done? have done? Adam should have been closer should, to God. God if
2: she would have said that God temptation. said not to eat of this tree, and we
0: are not going so to she, sin. So she could have done that. Mm-hmm. Okay. She could have Go back in. to my question. What should Adam and Eve have <gasps> done when that serpent came and asked them the question? <gasps> what I what know, know now.
5: Talk now. Talk to God.
0: Did you hear her? (laughs) Talk to God. (laughs) Where is, (laughs) where is, where is God?
2: There, he's there. there. Very good, you guys
0: are good. Okay, (laughs) (laughs) exactly.
3: And when they heard the sound,
0: and when they heard the sound of the Lord God, verse 8, walking in the garden, in the garden with Adam and Eve was not just the serpent. More importantly, God was there. God was there.
2: Lord God.
0: The, like the personal God who created them.
5: I never thought about that.
0: Okay. What would have stopped that sin? God was there. Yeah, it would have been great if the man talked. Absolutely. Okay?
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Stuck up for his But the most important thing to realize here is what would have stopped sin is for them to turn around and go be in the presence of God. Because then when they're in the presence of God, they cannot fall into sin. They cannot be influenced by the world. They cannot have Satan. Because when you have God, when you're in the presence of God... This doesn't happen, all right. You're protected from that. So, right here, you see in this little story,
5: you see this
0: <laughs> it's like, how do we prevent ourselves? We get in the but presence I want to of God say something,
2: yeah. because when uh-huh. Jesus was tempted, he used God's words.
0: That's right. Back to him. Exactly. And I
2: think that one of the things they could have done is just used God's words back to Satan. And just said, God said that we can eat of everything except for this one. And and
0: they could have done that.
2: And, And that's putting on the, you know, when we put on whatever it is, the word of God is that the your the helmet of your your the word yeah. of God. Very right. I, I good. I think you can resist Satan by using God's
0: words. Back
2: mm-hmm.
0: to Satan. But ultimately, what should you try to do if, if, you, if you feel Satan coming after you?
2: We'll run the other
0: you said it the, the other
2: day. Do you remember what
0: you said? Resist. What did resist. you, do, you oh, Resist. <laughs> resist, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. But also, flee. James says flee. Right. What
1: right. should they
0: have done right then? They should have like right. turned... Around yeah. and yeah. <coughs> got out of there and God went to be with um, went to be with um God. And right. Okay.
3: They
5: would have hmm? to have a repentance part.
0: Yeah. Well they wouldn't even have to have repentance then because they just would turn around to go with God. They haven't sinned. Even right. though they were lured
5: to the tree they couldn't go to? They didn't sin? Just no. Lured? No, just being with or...
0: the tree. He was oh, having really to wrong. eat of the tree okay. of knowledge of good and evil. Okay.
3: But do you think, when I was just picturing that, I thought, you know, part of our problem is that instead of turning, resisting and turning to God, we, there's many situations where we are trying to convince whatever's going on that it's not Right, and we don't have the ability, seeing, yeah. or that pe- whatever's happening is convincing us that there's that possibility it might be right. But instead of turning, right. we get pulled into the conversation, and we just get deeper and deeper. Yeah.
4: That, that's the insidiousness of of evil of Satan, because he'll he'll tempt you and say, "Oh, it's not so bad. It's not yeah. even really sin." And then if you fall, and then it's the worst sin ever, right?
0: You've just committed the worst thing ever. Or two seconds ago, it was it wasn't even sin. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so
2: did God really say?
0: Yeah. And we'll talk more. We'll talk more about what you just said about the Word of God when we get to the to get to the warfare. Yeah. But I just want to sort yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, um,
2: when
5: uh when it says that, did God really say? Yes. It's like introducing doubt in Absolutely. what God said in the first. Yeah, like what He had talked um, about, exactly. which is really. Mm-hmm. Quite important, isn't it? Very, important. With, they, if you're sowing
0: doubt in what God's really said, yep. then it throws you off yep. anyway, doesn't Very good. And of course, then, they didn't have the Bible, right? What <laughs> okay? a the Bible
2: is! Yeah. Right? Well,
0: they did not have this, yeah. but what they did have was God was right through in the garden. Alright? And they could have said, gone over to God and He said, what did God really say? They could have Said, "Well, let's go ask God. <laughs> Come on, sir. But let's, you know, they, let's go ask God so what
5: He really said." if that
0: never happened, would they meet Jesus? Pardon me. Yeah, would never meet Jesus, right? Which is obviously this is why God's whole plan is about why all this happened, mm-hmm. which we can get into. But I mean, that's. Um, so what Linda just said, mm-hmm. I I will you know just thirty seconds on this. That question. What did God really say is so important for all of you all the time when you hear someone say something. Always ask that question. Except, what did Jesus really say? What did the Lord God really say? What does God really say? Because I will tell you the more as of being a pastor now teaching the Bible for like 30 years, it's, the irony is, in particular in the Bay Area where I was a pastor, we would do this within our classes is it's, it's almost like the more longer someone has been a Christian, you will find out a lot of things start seeping in that they have heard through sermons and yeah. through other books and through a lot of things where they assume God said this yeah. when the Bible never did say that or the Bible says something entirely different. And I would say one of the number one ways to stop being deceived by Satan, influence of the world, is go back and say, What did he really say? I mean, Adam and Eve, we can go back to Genesis 126 here, but I mean two, I it was two two something, we can find out well and compare what does Satan say he said, or what did the Eve think to what did God really say. We always have this to say did he really say that? Go and look. If I tell you something, don't believe me. I'd be blunt. If Jeff tells you something, don't believe me. If Steve tells you something, Loretta, I mean, go for yourself and look and say, does it really say that? Or show me. Show me, Greg. Where does it really say that? Challenge me. <laughs> right? Because a lot of times we have all these assumptions that we've added on to the word and and they start driving our behaviors and our thoughts and everything when it's really not what God really said.
1: Mm-hmm.
5: So, yeah. Can I have like a 30 second um, of how to if you have a question for Google?
1: Yeah. Like yeah. Uh-huh. what would
5: you suggest like just how to If you navigate? have a question for what? Like say you have like was yes. Mary where was Mary born? Right? Yes. And then you're going to get a bunch of information. It's wow. not like from the but
4: you know what I mean? Yeah. Ask for a passage and then double check it. Yeah. And help you know where to go. Like, and then you can look it up yourself and
0: go, is that right? So where Google is good sometimes, okay, is when it helps me find the verse to answer the question to see whether it really says it or not. (laughs) Yeah. All right. I never believe what Google says, quote, unquote, but what I would do sometimes is go, where in the Bible does it say this? Yeah. And all of a sudden, Google's really good at coming up and saying, oh, it's right here. And then guess what? You go and you read it yourself. Because when you read it for yourself, what are you doing? You're putting yourself within the presence of God. (sighs) When you read his word. You know, so so you sort of a double whammy, not only are you finding out did God really say, but you're now actually in the presence of God, listening to his words versus what someone else has said with it. Okay. All right
4: can we go back to yes. a moment between that distinction between temptation and sin?
0: Oh, yeah, sure. Because,
4: you know, I think in a lot of, you know, you hear from time to time, particularly in extremely conservative Christian communities, is don't allow yourself to be tempted, which uh-huh. is humanly absurd. Yes. You know, we will be tempted. Right. Christ was tempted. <laughs> and uh, said simply being tempted is not sin, acting on the temptation leads to sin. Yes. But being tempted yes. really actually gives us the runway to turn towards God. Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
0: So, you want me to talk about that, or just, you have a question about that, or you just...
4: I think it's important just to draw
0: that distinction. Yeah. yeah. So, since he's bringing it up, let's just go and talk about it right now, which is, and I think you maybe brought it up one time when we were in a Bible Recap. So here's, when it comes to tempt and test, there's two words in Scripture. One is tempt, and one is test. Okay? This is <laughs> important to know the, to the Greek behind it, because the word for test and tempt in Scripture is exactly the same Greek word.
2: Really? Okay.
0: Test and tempt. It is exactly the same word, meaning the same thing. It's exactly the same word. So, test and tempt. When you read the word test in scripture, and you read the word tempt, behind it is a Greek word, it is always the same word, means both.
2: So, what is an example of a test?
0: Well. The good question. Am I going
2: to make the right choice? I'm no. tempted. Am I going
0: to... So the question is, what is temptation for? Why are we tempted? So what is a test. Well, no, yeah, but... <laughs>
6: <laughs> <Are> you have it. ready? <laughs>
0: okay, put it this way. Who tempts us?
6: Satan.
0: Okay, Satan ultimate. Okay, who tempts us? Satan. Or, I mean, the world can tempt us. Yeah. Sin can tempt us. Okay, so what is temptation? What's the purpose of temptation?
2: To separate from God.
0: Very good. Mm-hmm. Sit. To separate us from God. Very good. Got that? Mm-hmm. The purpose of temptation is to separate us from God. So who is it that tempts?
5: Satan. Mm-hmm.
0: Satan. Okay. What is the purpose of being tested? Well, if so you
5: have loyalties to God or relationships right. to the world.
0: So God does test us, That's but he never tempts like us. Job. Yeah. Right. This is a key okay. distinction. So, so God's going body. to what you said, Steve, is you might feel a sense of temptation. That is really can be two things at once. One is the temptation is to sin. Okay. But it's what you're going to do with that. <laughs> All right. Because sometimes you might not even be able to distinguish. Is God testing me? Or is the serpent tempting me? And what, how do you know? how do you know? By what you do with it?
3: And you're saying God well, never also by tempts what us. it is.
0: God he says in James, God never, never. ever no, tempts, tempts, us. Us. He he never tempts us. us. He never tempts us because what what did we say? What is Satan trying to do? Separate us from God. What is God trying to do? Never separates from He is That's trying funny. to draw us to Him. Close Can it. I
2: have a scripture where it says God tested somebody? Can you give me yeah, a scripture? I,
0: uh, no. Again, I think I
4: well,
0: in, yes. There's, um, in the
4: wilderness, there's several things right off the bat. Once once they cross the Red Sea, where God is oh, testing them, tested. and that, that word okay. comes up mm, several yeah. times.
0: But I don't know. About this. So one example, of James twelve one twelve, right. says, "Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, for when he has stood the test." What will happen? He will receive the crown of life which God has promised to those who love him. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Let no one say when he is tempted, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. Mm -hmm. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desires. Then desire... When it is conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. There's like, it sort of captures, both words are used there, same word, but in the different ways. And this is James 1, 12 through 15. That's good. So God is always, if if we are being tested, the test is always to draw us to Him. A temptation is always to take us away and try to separate us from Him. So in a lot of ways, it's really what you're going to do with what happens. Okay? what If you feel like you're being tempted, James says, flee and resist, as Chase said. Okay? If you God's testing you, what does he want you to do? He is trying to draw you into a closer relationship with him. When my wife, I can almost say when Michelle comes up to me and says, you know, I feel like we're just sort of drifting apart, that's actually sort of a test for me. Be the same, what can I do now to try to bring us closer? I want I want to bring that relationship closer, right? Mm -hmm. So how do I do that? That's exactly what happens in the world. And that's
3: the example of Mm -hmm. Adam and Eve. So initially that you know, it's the serpent and he's tempting, but then it's also a test, and they could turn, as we were describing that turn
0: to God and go to God. That's right. That's why I'm saying it's the same word. (laughs) It's who's doing it, for what purpose, and how are you going to react to it?
6: They succumbed to temptation and they failed the test.
0: Yeah.
6: is what happened in that. under in both scenarios,
0: you
4: have the opportunity to turn towards God.
0: Very good. That is the key. Mm. The key is always turn to God because when we are then, just like Adam and Eve there, if they turn to him... God would have but he would have been in his presence, mm-hmm. talking to him. And guess who is not allowed in that presence?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Satan. Satan.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Satan cannot exist mm-hmm. where God is. Okay? That's mm-hmm. why Satan will never say, Lord God, mm-hmm. because he can't have a personal relationship. He cannot be in the presence of God. So There's God like, can't
5: be in his, right? He can't be right. in his, right. Right. There's no darkness in light. Right,
0: exactly. Okay. Now in Job, you have a, you know, you have, you have them talking to each other, it's a conversation, but they're not actually like in a personal relationship. And you see what's happening there with Job. Job, Satan thinks he's going to tempt, and Job, and God says, I'm going to test. Alright, and you see that interplay that goes. And what ends up happening at the very end of Job, what is the secret of Job ultimately? is at the very end of Job, what God ultimately wants from Job is not for Job to say, hey, bless me with all this stuff.
1: No.
0: What God is seeking from Job is that for Job to want to be in the very presence of God.
3: Relationship.
0: Period, is a relationship with God. And is that is why all of Job <laughs> happens is at the very end. It's like the cliffhanger at the very end. Mm-hmm. What ends up happening is, is Job realizes... I don't, all these worldly goods, all it these other things th- don't mean anything. What means everything is for me to be in your presence, to be in a relationship with you. Okay? Yeah.
5: It's like the marital relationship with, like, you know, Adam and Eve, us with Christ, and then Job's wife with Job saying, curse God and die.
1: Uh-huh.
5: You know, and he had to, he actually stick like he stood, like he, he, stood, uh, like he came to the plate
0: or whatever like right. he didn't curse god right. so it's interesting yeah so um let me shoot through a couple other things i'm going to again so so i don't spend a lot of time going through a bunch of verses i'll send you guys all the stuff that has all these verses with a lot of stuff mm-hmm. so one of the things i want to bring up is it's and I, I don't i think for time we won't go and look at the actual passage <clears throat> but there's a couple things that happen in the old testament that ultimately starts speaking about the influence of demons and stuff that we have today, is in the Old Testament, in Genesis 6, with the flood story, something really weird happens. And you guys might have remembered this when you read through it. But do you do you remember in Genesis 6 um, that, that the there's a weird Nephilim. statement of something that happens? You're the right? Nephilim. The yeah. Nephilim. Okay.
6: They come. They come down.
1: That's
0: right. The Nephilim. It actually says in that passage, "Bene Elohim, sons of God." What ends up happening is this is so weird, but it is weird. But it explains some things. Is that in Genesis six, these angel, these fallen angels that that happened when Satan fell. These ain't these beings. Are male, okay? They do not. They, I mean, they, they are actually a male in, well, they're male. They transgress out of the heavenly realm where they're not supposed to, and they come down and they have the really blunt. They have sex with the women, with with women, human women,
2: okay? And they
0: reproduce to create what is called the nephilim. These are the giants, okay? And we've had a lot of problems, as we read through the Old Testament, didn't we, about why does God wipe out things, people? Well, one of the reasons why he does is because in the flood, when the flood came along, these Nephilim had created these beings,
1: <laughs> sounds really
0: like something out of a science fiction movie, that are half-human, half-angel-being, And God says he's going to wipe out everything on the earth. And so what's interesting in Genesis 6 is he wipes out everything on the earth. But you end up finding out a little later on, I think it's in Numbers, that there's still some, like, Nephilim left. All right. And part of the reason, I'm not can't speak for God here, but part of the reason people think that maybe God did wipe out some parts of that race in there that we read about when we think, why did God kill all the women and children of me? Is because that race was actually polluted by the genetics of an angels and humans.
2: Oh, DNA.
0: That's right. Okay. Very, (laughs) very, very bizarre. But when you read it all, I mean, pretty much People have now sort of said, "Yeah, this this is exact this is what it's saying." Okay, so there's one example of where these beings transgressed, and what God did to those beings that did that ultimately is He has sealed them up in some type of almost like a temporary hell, okay, that has prevented them from ever doing that again. All right, so that is one thing that's happened to these heavenly beings we talked about. Well, if
3: there's some left over, how could they be sealed up?
0: Well, because he then went and, if you look at the commands, they were told to go in and wipe out certain areas and stuff like uh-huh. that by God.
1: Okay.
0: They believe at that point, God was, what he was doing was cleansing, in part, cleansing mm-hmm. that race. Cleansing
6: so we,
0: that. Were they on the ark? No, no, they weren't on the ark. No. no, no
1: some people go,
0: <laughs> some people think maybe they survived, some of them survived, we don't know. Some of them maybe survived the flood because there's some giants. Who knows? I mean, you don't know. We, we were not told Okay. Now, another thing that happens is in Tower of Babel, when God separates everybody into all the different nations, and again, I won't turn there, you'll see some of these verses, is God takes personal responsibility for Israel, the personal relationship with the chosen people, but he actually puts Angels in charge, sons of God, heavenly beings in charge of the other nations. And so, when he he did at that that point, he actually puts them in charge of these other nations. So God has this personal relationship with His nation, with the Jews, Mm -hmm. but He actually assigns to the other nations a ruling angel. Let's call it or son of God. It means the same Mm -hmm. thing. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: What we find out though later is that those angels also disobey God. Okay? Yeah. And God then also judged them.
2: His heavenly angels?
0: Yes. Well, the angels that he gave...
2: Responsibility? Responsibility
0: for ended up ultimately disobeying him and turning against him.
2: Hmm.
0: All those things that happened in when the Old tempted? Testament...
5: they How did that happen?
0: It doesn't really say how that happened. It just said, in fact, there's a whole psalm about it. You've seen here. It's the whole psalm would actually... Psalm... And
2: God did what with them?
0: He he basically judged them and put them also in sort of like some other sort of space. But what this ends up happening in the Old Testament is you end up creating you end up having Satan, okay. And by the way, angels and demons, or demon angels, good or bad angels, are um, they don't die. What's the word for that? Immortal? Immortal. Thank you. <laughs> They're immortal. All right. Something could kill them, but they don't die. All right. Or it's vampires. the same thing with demons, <laughs> and that demons end up becoming, in a sense, sort of like fallen angels that end up residing sort of on uh, in the earthly more realm. Mm-hmm. They do not die either. Okay. Well, they
2: die when Jesus
0: comes. That's right. At the very end, they do die, okay? Which I would say one of the things to think about with that is Mm -hmm. this is why you don't want to get yourself involved in the occult. Occult. Because even though the occult is, some people fake it, there is a reality that happens within Mm -hmm. the occult. And so when you see things, for example, of people saying that, oh, I can talk to your... Mm -hmm. great 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 grandmother okay and they said this or that Mm -hmm. you've got to realize that when you're dealing in the occult realm you're dealing with demons who have lived through all these years Mm -hmm. and may have knowledge as to things that have happened in the past and you're starting to
1: play with those demons exactly okay so
0: when the when that sometimes people fake this stuff right but I'm just letting you know that type, that's why Scripture is so against doing anything with the occult, because you literally are in the company of demons, mm-hmm. and those demons may know things. And the reason why they know those things is because they've lived for ever. Yeah. Yes. Are there angels who have not fallen who are in the occult? No. Mm-hmm. No. Which is a good question. So, what you end up having today as we get into like our time, is you end up having a separation. You end up having the evil spirits and evil demons and Satan, had by Satan. You still have good angels who are under God's authority. All right? And those angels are real. <laughs> and those angels, as we see in Scripture sometimes in the Old Testament and the New, those angels do come and can take upon like the form of a human. Um, and they can influence and get involved in the world. If they're good angels, they're going to do that at the request of God. All right?
2: And, and that's they're all male,
0: right? Them. Yeah, they're all male. Yeah.
2: But yeah. most of them are in heaven but praising we know God. And yes. Doing whatever they will Exactly. To do <laughs> so Charging what you,
0: you see is you see Where's angels... yes scripture? Yeah, so angels in the Old Testament start oh, sort of... Their role, which is really to mediate God's presence mm-hmm. before Christ comes. The role of angels when Christ comes during his ministry, the role of angels is to be there to, um, well, you see, like the different people he talks to. So when Jesus is born, you see angels. When Jesus dies, there's angels. So angels start focusing and revolving around Christ because that is where the focus now is it's on Christ, not on what those angels are doing. So angels are mediators, and they're used by God to actually communicate God's stuff. The main thing I would just tell you about angels is you have to be very careful against. People go to extremes. Angels are only and always there to point us to Christ as Christians. Okay, So if you ever have someone where they're so into angels, and it's like everything about angels... And that is not focusing on Christ, long focus. Okay? Because now that we have Christ, now that we have the Holy Spirit, the role of angels has sorta of changed. Okay. It's no longer angels used to mediate God's presence in the old testament. All right. But they don't they now it is Christ to the Spirit that we have with that. Yeah.
5: Um, where in scripture does it say that the angels
0: are male? That the angels are male. Are male. I don't know offhand. Well, it's Gabriel
1: just
2: that, oh, and, and Michael.
0: Oh, I know. Yeah, and also, I, sorry, I'm doing remember now. Too. Because it's always <clears> a <throat> male pronoun. Not <throat> pronoun. It's always a male. The, the word is always male. Okay, so if you look at the actual language, you never have a female angel. But it's just never
2: does a be female. gender in heaven. I mean, when we go, there's not going to be gender probably.
0: What do you mean for us? Yeah. Or Oh, no, I think we'll definitely have our gender. I don't
2: know. It says we're not We're not going. <laughs> our to heavenly be bodies. That's all I know. It's going
3: to be a heavenly body. I'm question about, about demons. demons. We're not buying not very yeah. <laughs> oh, <here's> Somebody <laughs> Can someone become possessed without having, doing the obvious things, uh, the obvious things you don't want to do that might lead you to becoming Uh, a cult and other things. I mean, like, you know, there are children, like small children, Mm -hmm. who end up being possessed. So my question is, so how, aside from the obvious ways of becoming possessed by a demon, are there some other ways that are not obvious?
0: Okay, so let's bring that up right now. No, we'll talk about that for a second. So a lot of controversy around the word "demon possessed." All right. One important thing to know is we have gotten very confused by that word because the word does not actually ever occur in Scripture. We use the word "demon possessed." When you think "possessed," you think of something that takes ownership of you. All right, a possession. All right. The word that gets translated in our Scripture a lot of times is "demon possessed." So you actually, if you look up "demon possessed," you'll find Scriptures that say that. The word, there, that word is a single word that does not say demon-possessed. It says demonize, all right?
1: Mm-hmm. So
0: the actual possession, the actual saying that, this, that something is demon-possessed does not actually occur in Scripture. It says you're demonized, which means you're influenced by. Mm-hmm. Now, that does say you can be taken over by a demon. Right. But most, and this is a huge, I mean, I've read stuff so much about this. There's a lot of controversy as to can, so if you're not a Christian, you can definitely be demon. You can, you can be inhabited by a demon and controlled by a demon. That is possible as not being a Christian. Most people would try to say that if you are a Christian, you already have what living in you? The Spirit of God. So for a
1: demon 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 to come in
0: and be in you Mm -hmm. in the same way as like the demons we hear Jesus casting me down and stuff, both people would say that's not possible. Alright? Because if you are if you are a Christian who has got a relationship with God, you've got that spirit living inside of you, you can be still you can allow yourself, let's be blunt, you can allow yourself to be really heavily influenced by Satan mm-hmm. and by demons. You still can have if you don't stay what? Close to God. <laughs> Alright? But as far as the actual demon possessed, I mean, I would tend to, I, Scripture again is not super clear on this, but I would tend to think that you're, if you, first of all, if you have a strong relationship with God, and you keep that relationship strong, you never need to worry about being a demon living inside of you. Okay. So
2: when Jesus
4: said to Peter, Satan would have you to
0: sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you. And what did he pray? He prayed that his faith would be strong. And
4: then he would strengthen his brother, and then he
0: returns. Say it again.
4: That his faith would not fail him, and that he would strengthen his brother.
0: Yeah, returns. exactly. Okay. So in Peter, for example, Satan's influencing him, but what does Jesus do? Jesus prays, as I would say, he prays for all of us to not be influenced by Satan, but instead to grow in our faith with that.
1: <laughs> I saw it on my eye
0: here. Um, why don't we, in our last, let's turn, why don't you guys turn in Ephesians. And I'll try, I want to end by 8.30 So right.
1: Is
0: that good for you guys? Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: And
4: I
0: there's a lot of going. to one more not
4: thing going... about the angel, too. You were yeah. before that question that, mm-hmm. that I've, I've heard of people experiencing something that appears to be an angel that they, is like an angel of light that's going to guide them in some sort of a visual thing. Mm-hmm. But it's, all right. it's so important to know and understand these things because the angels are in the service of God, not to guide us somewhere that, that we're worshiping them or we're going through them exactly. to get to something rather than going through God.
0: Yeah. But. And I would say that you... An authentic way that an angel you might experience an angel today yeah. is angels will appear when you might be in an extreme crisis. Yes.
6: Okay. Yeah, like
0: so that car. is, yeah. yeah. Yes. I mean, yeah. there are the, guardian that, angels. Yeah. yeah. There are guardian angels, and that's a valid thing that could happen. Is that that you are an extreme yeah. something going yeah. on that an angel could Correct. be sent by God to. Help you get out of that situation, okay? That? Yeah. And those th- those are real things that angels still do today. I will tell you, I had that experience with time. Me too. And Me too. it was a very extreme situation. Mm-hmm. So I don't don't be surprised that that happens, okay? That you that that something like that could happen. Um,
2: yeah. I, I always think of that uh, that story. Is it Elijah or Elisha? That was, <laughs> that he. That he, he's not one bit afraid, and they're all surrounded by the army. And, and his
1: yeah.
2: his his servant is saying, "Why? Why are you so calm?" Or something. Kings. And so he had him open his eyes, and mm-hmm. he could see mm-hmm. angels. Yeah. Just, and I'm wondering, is that still happen? I mean, I, are there?
0: I think it can. I think people sometimes are deathbed experiences, but maybe have very valid. I mean, I can't judge yeah. that myself. But no, I but think,
2: I mean, our angels uh, are us? I... Well,
6: he says that who is with us is greater than who is with them. Yeah, so he's saying it's 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 just, just impossible for us to even begin. To, yes. Yeah. So I love that. I'm with you. I love that.
0: All right. Let's turn <laughs> to Ephesians. So this um this is how sort of, has always been viewed as like.
6: Ephesians
2: what? Six. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, come on, tell us. Come on, just
0: so guess that. Yeah, I
2: know.
0: I have my mental t- <laughs> Page 24. Lurking. Okay, 14. Um, Yeah, page 24, Ephesians 6.10. So this passage has always been viewed as like the mm-hmm. passage of spiritual warfare. Yeah, okay? Yeah. Um, I'm going to go through it a little bit quickly because there's one key aspect up here I want to sort of get focus on. But as we go through here, I want you to just... Take a look. First of all, listen to what Paul says. So Paul gets to the end of Ephesians. It's like, I've told you all these things, but going back to my very first question I had to all of you guys is how do we how do we prevent ourselves from being influenced by Satan and the world and sin? We do what? We put on the armor of Christ. We the presence of Christ. Okay. <laughs> and if you notice here. This is what Paul does. He says in verse 10, finally, after all the things he's been talking about, okay, he says be strong, and that is a command, by the way, so this is to all of us, finally be strong how? In the Lord, right? Whenever you hear the word in the Lord or in Christ, that in means relationship, That's always us being called into a personal relationship with Christ, okay? So be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. And then he says, put on the whole armor of God. Notice how he does not say part of the armor, okay? (laughs) It's the whole armor, all right? And then he goes on, he says, now, so listen to how he says, why are you doing this? Put on the whole armor of God. That you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Listen to how he said that. What's the purpose of spiritual warfare? It is to
3: Separate stand, us from God.
0: okay. What
3: stand I said. The purpose of, of spiritual warfare is to separate us from God.
0: Well, it. Is, well, that's that's what. Warfare. Right. Th- yeah. That's the. That's what Satan wants to do with us. Right. Our us. Our response to be against that, is it? He says, and notice how he says, "Stand" three times, mm-hmm. that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil, and then he says, "Where's the other one?" Um thirteen. Thirteen. Having done all to stand firm at fourteen stand therefore. So stand means we take us, we we stand. Let's do it. Let's stand. Versus what do we don't want to do? Fall, oh, okay. All right?
5: The opposite is stand. But you get
0: the idea here that what I'm we're being asked to do it. is we're being asked to just is stand, okay? Is to take, endure. To, it's stand basically come in Exactly. Stand. And then what are we supposed to do? We're doing this against these it's forces the that are happening. And notice how it's saying here that we are not at war, wrestling against flesh and blood. We're not trying to do this with other humans. This is not something we're in a war against with other humans. This is something we're in a war against the powers and principalities. And Paul uses these terms to capture every part of the spiritual dimension that can be up against us. So he uses the word rulers, against authorities, against cosmic powers, over this present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. All those terms encompass all the realm of evil influence that exists in in the heavenly realms. Okay? So he's just trying to, like, blanket against all that. People have tried to come up with, what does he mean by this one versus this one? It's like he's just Covering the gamut. Covering the gamut. Okay. He's not asking us to try to separate all those things. And mm-hmm. then he says, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand the evil day, having done all to stand firm. Stand, therefore. So you guys ever get the impression here we should stand? <laughs> <laughs> I, know, I can't believe we're all fitting. Uh, we
5: should take a stand Stand, break.
0: therefore. And now listen to what he says. He says, Having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and and as for shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of pre-peace, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. So there are the six. Okay, And a lot of these overlap. And I, w- I will give you guys this document that I have here, where it goes to and gives you a lot of verses. What all these different aspects are of each one of these things, but just going through there, I would try to consider, think of these different things as as both something that is a truth, in other words, some fact, okay, about about who we are in Christ. <laughs> And also some type of action about how we are to try to get closer to Christ. So one is telling us the truth about who we are. And another one is saying also within that truth, what should we do? So let me give you an example of that. So stand there for the first one. Stand there for having fastened on the belt of truth. Okay. When you guys hear that, what do you think you should be doing? What do you think that means? You know, truth is in the
3: word. word. Yeah.
0: word but it, good. What did you it's, say, Steve? Being you know, of the word. Being of the word? Yeah. The word. Okay. So here in this when we think of truth, truth is all the different things we just said about the word. The thing that's really amazing these days is they've been doing these polls lately um, a lot of polls lately on Christians. And what's interesting, and these are valid polls, so I, mean, I think there's the statistics are probably accurate. So, what's disheartening—understand, uh, understatement—is uh, when they pull Christians who claim to be evangelical Christians, which is what all you and I, all of us would be within that camp of uh, people who are Bible believing, believe in Christ, have Him as their Savior, and then they start asking them questions about what does the Bible say about certain things, like. They don't they don't know or they have picked up all the stuff about the world. So another reason again why you stay in scripture like it, did God really say? So it's we have lost a lot of the a lot of the Christian faith today is sort of weak. We mm-hmm. blunt, Very And
1: definitely.
0: we've lost about really knowing what is the truth. Okay. And so here it's calling us constantly to go back to Scripture and do what we've been doing. You guys have read through we've read through the whole Bible, right? Don't ever give up on that. Yes. It's going back and not just in, in speaking what is that truth. But also to be careful, here's my caution, to be careful that that truth is always ultimately about the truth of who is the truth, which is Christ. So truth is not just some dogma, factual statement. It is also about I am the way, the truth, and the life. This is about Jesus, who ultimately is the truth. Truth is always encompassed in Scripture in a personal relationship with God. It's never this thing outside of it that we go and try to hit on people's head and say, the truth, the truth. You know, you think about how the truth is used these days. In <laughs> not some nice ways. Um, and you guys all know the saying, right? You will know the truth.
2: And like, how many
0: times do you guys hear that repeated? Every one of you knew that, I think. You will know the truth. I bet you go to anybody in Laguna Beach and you say, you will know the truth and they will say, and the truth will set you free.
1: Mm-hmm. But,
0: that's but you know that way. is not what it says. I was about to
5: say. I didn't know what you guys all just said.
0: <laughs> just you funny. will know the truth.
5: By how how you hear
0: them. Well, yeah, but he you, but the statement, you will know the truth, and the truth will set,
1: mm-hmm.
0: set you free. What does that make it sound like? That makes it sound like the truth is this thing. If I just know it, I'll be free. And actually the Bible does say, Jesus does say, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. He actually does say that. Did anybody know what we're forgetting in that?
5: The next line. No, the, the line
0: before that. Or before that, yes. Yeah. John 832. The truth is not what sets you free. (laughs) If you are my disciples and abide in my word, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. John what? John 832. If you are, if you are my disciples and you abide in my word, then you will know the truth and the truth. truth. And I hear constantly, we as Christians will say, you would know the truth and set you free. Like somehow if I just have a magical truth, I'm going to be free. Who sets us free? Jesus. How is that done? By being in a relationship with him. Period.
5: (laughs) But why is that such like a taboo? Like... The truth will set you free. I mean, it might, I mean. Because the truth
0: doesn't set you free. Jesus sets you free. So word. what people Jesus have done the is they've thing. separated that statement out, mm-hmm. and they've forgotten that the statement is a conditional statement. So it's
5: better to say, Jesus will set you free.
0: Well, yeah, Jesus will set you free. But, you really, be, be his disciple, yes. abide in his word, mm-hmm. then. They so have to say the whole you thing. you'll be set free. Right. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <Definitely. laughs> You're <laughs> right, Trish, and yeah. that's definitely yeah. right, and, and that's John 8:32. Say right. the whole thing. So I mean, that's that's again, that's just an example of truth. We can tend to say take these little elements out and forget yeah. there's a relational aspect here to it. Okay. Well, to say that in the
4: secular world is, I mean, the truth is a flag in the wind. Exactly. What is it?
0: Yeah, exactly. Okay. Mm. All right. So there's an example of truth. Breastplate of righteousness. Two aspects of righteousness here. So when you think of righteousness, it, well, it actually says, you know, it says, what happens when we believe in Jesus? If you're
2: covered in Jesus.
0: We become yeah. what? Righteous. We become righteous. Yeah. Exactly. We are imparted the righteousness of Christ. Alright? When we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, put our faith in Him, we now have the righteousness of Christ within us. Anybody know what righteousness means? What? Right
1: standing.
0: There, yeah. It means both right standing and it actually means right relationship. That we are made righteous. Why? To have a right relationship with God. To be in a correct relationship with God and actually with each other. Alright. So really righteousness is about both the status of what we are in Christ. But it's also about how we are now to be in a right relationship relationship with him and with others alright so that's like the righteousness part um, having I love this and shoes on your feet having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace if, if I ask you guys what's the gospel good
2: news.
0: <laughs> and what's Word, the good news Word
4: of God. Jesus.
2: Jesus how would you guys
0: God. seriously, if you tried to capsulate you had one thought. sentence yes. to say to someone else what is the gospel?
3: The Son of God came and died for our sins, so that through belief in Him we and rose will die again eternal.
0: Perfect, excellent.
2: Oh my God, I gotta go start. <laughs>
0: <laughs> when you guys are reading Scripture, find you'll find these little things like Paul says and other things. Try yeah. to find those yeah. little part of Scripture where literally it will tell you, like when the mm-hmm. sentence, what the gospel is. Right. But we say the word gospel all the time. It's like, but what is that? And can if someone asks you what is it, can you tell someone? Can you say you
5: can. <laughs> can you? I mean I would say <laughs> gospel. I just thought of the gospel tabernacle, so like that went too so yeah, no, I'm just amazed that uh Chris she was just able to say all that. I think yeah. I think the pressure is getting it right with with everything you need to say and not saying it halfway. But
3: also, maybe it's about not not thinking you have to include a oh, million other I things. That's right, I was right. trying, that was a boil, my boiled down thing that I like. Yeah. Because I think that's what we feel like we can't say it because we feel like there's this extraneous stuff we're supposed to put in it if we were really saying it right.
4: Well, yeah. and I really think that's a place where the enemy wants you to think you aren't going to get it right or you
3: can't right.
0: say it. Yeah. So... And it's also, but it's and it's a good, it's a good thing to just if you guys ever want to challenge for yourself. The challenge is, start. You know how like it's. What's well, a good illustration? Well, anyway, you know, someone ever says, you know, to write a thing about yourself or write whatever. Try to say, can I write down in a sentence or two what the gospel is? Because if someone comes up to you and says, "What's the gospel? What's the whole point of the gospel?" Here is to what share it, right? So. Be ready in season and out of season, Scripture says to be ready to tell that gospel. And so, can you can you sort of start writing yourself out? Like, how would I tell it to someone? You know, it's a good old like um, elevator talk, right? You have thirty yeah. seconds to um, you know to say something. Loss. I'm trying to do that with the guys in our Tuesday night group. That's what our whole focus is on going through John, is for them to start learning to share that with others. And it's been very convicting to me. It blows me away as I've been watching people share and tell the stories about how they're starting to learn in a good way with sincerity as our verse of sharing the gospel with others. I got a witness. Um, I'm going the whole I got a witness with Marcia. I took her her to lunch at Lumberyard, and I watched her and. I have to say, at first I was like, I felt like almost embarrassed watching how she did this. But she was so loving and direct with the waiter there. And she, it's a long story, I won't go through it all, but she ended up basically preaching the gospel to this waiter. Young guy, all right? Mm -hmm. And now, every time I go back to Lumberyard, he knows my name, Mm -hmm. he asks how I'm doing, he wants to come, he's saying he wants to come to the men's group, okay? Mm -hmm. But it's all because, and, and I, because of what Marcia did, I now have a relationship with this guy. Mm-hmm. And he knows that I'm a pastor up here. where our our churches mm-hmm. and everything. So it's just amazing in our world today how learning to just continue to share that gospel mm-hmm. to the world so often needs and figure out how can we do that with others in a genuine way, not just like.
3: A know, way that matches, that's what my concern was. It has to be a way, it has to be a way that matches me or... Especially anybody who knows me is going to think it's fake. Exactly. I I mean, I hated when people did that to me, Mm -hmm. and I don't want to do it to other people, but I think even that thought stops us. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, anyway, just as a challenge there, um, it's also a good way, I will say, that if you start feeling yourself being attacked by Satan, and by, okay, if you go and call up, you know, if I feel like I'm, being attacked, or I feel that spiritual warfare. If I go call up um, Monica, all right, or I go talk to Paulette or something, and I start trying to share the gospel even with other Christians—not something we do—just talk Scripture to other people, you will find that warfare starts to go away. It's just by sharing and talking about Christ among all of ourselves. Um, so that's just that's another thing that's talk about here. Then. Um, Take on the helmet of salvation. I mean, I'd say again, two aspects: we are saved, but we're to continue to work out our salvation. And then probably the second to last one I want the second last thing I want to talk about, which is notice what the last one is here, which is exactly what we're doing here. This is what we're doing tonight. Okay. It says what? It says and the. This is the only offensive weapon in the arsenal. And listen to how it says it. It says, and take up the helmet of salvation, and then this is, and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. That is the main weapon we have. And notice how here the spirit and the word are put together. They're inseparable. Alright, Jesus says in John
2: 663.
0: Yeah. What does it say? He's
2: going to send the Spirit to
0: teach us. Yeah, and it says in John 663 that it is my words that bring the Spirit in life. So Spirit and the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us and the Word of God together form the presence of God. Have you guys ever thought about that? Alright, so it's the two together That's what angels did. Angels mediated God's presence and spoke His words. What did Christ do when He was here on earth? He was God's presence who spoke what the Father told Him to speak. We today have that very presence living in us. When we read the Word, when we study the Word, when we speak the Word to others, that is we are the presence of Christ. (laughs) We are Christ to the world and to Christ to us. The, both of those together. Uh, well,
2: and Christ spoke the word to Satan. That's how mm-hmm. Satan. he dealt with Satan.
0: Yeah. He All right, so far so good. Any other questions?
4: I want to add one thing. Yeah, yes, um, You were talking about uh, talking about the word as a way when you feel like you're under yes. spiritual warfare. Yeah. But the other thing is in Second Chronicles... You started out by talking about standing firm, which was really important to me at one point in my life because I realized that the standing was such an active thing. When you think of standing as you're not really doing anything, but it really is very active and intentional. And in Second Chronicles the story of when Jehoshaphat has all these multitudes coming against him and he's like, Lord, what are you gonna do? You know, he feels like stories, he's, yeah. Yeah, and he says, um, that the battle is not his, the battle is the Lord. But in verse mm-hmm. 17, it says, You need not fight in this battle. Station yourselves, stand, mm-hmm. and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf. O Judah and Jerusalem, do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow, go out to face them, for the Lord is with you. Mm-hmm. And he goes out, and his defense is to worship the Lord. Mm-hmm. They stand there, and they worship God, and all of these um, different factions turn against each other, and they're completely decimated. Mm-hmm. And I that... Just that extra, the worshiping, yeah.
0: and that really intentional standing in God, I think, is another thing that help us with. Um, and what I love about that is notice how it says, "Don't go fight." It yeah. says, so "Stand yeah. firm," and the Lord is going to win the battle. And I think that's what these is start talking about here. Mm-hmm. It's not that you're having in your own might try to go and fight. It's that you are standing firm in the Lord. You've got the truth of the gospel. You've got all these things around you. You're speaking the gospel. You have the spirit of God inside of you. Mm-hmm. You're in the presence of God, and he protects you against that warfare. Mm-hmm. All right. And I, the, the last thing then to end with is what's interesting in this list is this is what you put on. All these things you put on, it doesn't say what to do then. Stand. But it does say, well, it says Stand. But it actually tells us what to do after we put all those on. Pray. done all,
2: Did anybody went, does
0: anybody know what it says? Praying at all times. What does it say? Praying at all times. Praying at all, praying all times. So after he said all these things, you put on Paul. I mean, Apostle Paul then says, "Praying at all times." Listen to how he does this. Praying at all times. In the spirit, with all prayer and supplication, to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Ultimately, the, ultimately, the key in a sense to all the spiritual warfare is when you're feeling it, if you want to be back into the presence of God, pray. Pray. Pray, pray. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And here's my challenge to you. Because most of all, when we pray, our prayers are very focused on needs. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Praying, which is great, fine, okay? It's very good. Praying for my own needs, praying for Charlie. We get together on Wednesday mornings to pray for another. Fantastic. But listen to Paul's prayers. His prayers are encompassed with all the things he just taught. We just talked about. He is praying the word of God. He is not just praying for his needs and praying for others around, which he does. But he is immersing that as speaking the word of God through his prayers. All right. And so if you even listen, if you listen to just, um, well, one of his last prayers here, I don't know if that's what he's be right now. Prayer for spiritual strength here. Just if you listen to that, start thinking about how we pray. All of the things I've talked about, about learning the Word of God, learn to start praying the Word of God.
3: <laughs> Marcia,
0: that's it. Yeah. yeah. But you know praying,
3: what, what helps something yeah. in Marcia is, is is knowing more Bible verses
0: by heart. That's yeah. very good. None very good. Very good. And there's one other thing that's really, really good. Is and I this is what I was taught a long, long time ago spiritual warfare. And I would I will I almost want to say I would
1: guarantee
0: <laughs> it works because it's not my guarantee, it's God's. The number one thing that we've been given a gift of, which we don't use enough, is to pray is to pray the psalms. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah, sure. Jesus is the author, ultimately, of the psalms. And Jesus himself prayed those psalms
2: mm-hmm.
0: when he went to the cross. In Hebrews, it says that Jesus is praying those psalms for us. The psalms that we have, that book of psalms, is the way to learn how to Pray in the Spirit. Pray the Word of God. And I will tell you, when you do that, if you ever are experiencing spiritual warfare, in any form, at any time, if you start, you can start in Psalm 1, and here's what you do. You simply start praying Psalm 1, go to Psalm 2, and you just keep praying until that warfare goes away. I will tell you, I have over and over and over and over again in my life, When I really experienced at one point years ago, a very intense spiritual warfare at night. Someone told me about this, and I would get out the Psalms, and I would start reading them out loud. Mm-hmm. And read them with emotion. I mean, those Psalms are the gift God's given us of His way of saying, this is how to pray about me, for me, to me, with me. And so, If you start taking those psalms and you just—I mean—one of the things we're going to do is we're going to hit December thirty-first. What's going to happen December thirty-first, you guys? I'll close with this.
3: What's going to happen? No, what's going to happen to this group? that's right.
0: December thirty-first, we are done with the Bible. Stand. What? We're going to stand. Stand. And read it
4: again.
0: Yeah, my gift to all of you is here's a challenge if you want to have something to do starting January 1st is for you to start praying the psalms start in psalm 1 this is not here's what you're not doing you're not going to try to find out which psalms to pray based on how i feel today you are starting to immerse yourself in the psalms and you start at psalm 1 and you just start reading as Whatever you want, five minutes that day, ten minutes that day, even whether it's spiritual warfare or not, and you read all the way to the end of all the Psalms, the last Psalm, and then you come back around and you start doing the end. And you just keep reading and praying those Psalms and say them out loud, and you talk about Marcia with having the word in her, you will start seeing your prayer life radically change, and you will start experiencing, I will tell you, you will start experiencing the presence of God like you've never experienced before.
3: Mm-hmm. I think, because I was thinking about this and I thought, since I now have designated time that I get up and read, I mean, most of my Bible recaps that I'm doing, it's like that's where you put, you want something, I want something else to go in that time because I've I've spent a whole year setting that time
0: aside. So I'm going to give you guys something to go in that
3: time. Does it have a gear on
2: it?
1: Oh, I've got one.
2: Oh,
0: okay. Well, you went. Do you want another one? You
2: can write mm-hmm.
5: one. Yeah. There you
0: go. These this are is. Awesome. I love this. This is very the book nice of songs. Yeah. Oh. And oh, yes. all is wow. what I would say, um, I know, wow. I know Michelle like Dorty did this. We talked about one time in the service one time. Yeah. Is start journaling at this. This is the whole book of songs. Okay, and use it for next year. And just start reading through the Psalms and just start journaling, start writing down what thank the Psalms you, are and everything.
5: It was uh, funny, I it, started doing that. Thank you, thank you, thank you Greg. Yeah, thank you.
6: Ooh wow, Greg. Thank you so much.
5: So I
2: have a, I have a comment. I already have one. She she one. One. She she one. one.
5: Okay, I have a quick comment. I yeah. started doing this with the Psalms and I tried to do it with Toby. And then we got busy with another event, but like, I would be like, okay, David, I'd mess with them. I'd be like, all right, David, you keep it together this time. I'm like, I know you can do it. I'm like, I know you, I'm emotional, but you're really emotional. <laughs> and it was like fun for, like, you know, just had fun with it. It wasn't intimidating. That's great. It was like, I it was like, I don't know. It, it was a relationship kind yeah. of feeling. Exactly.
0: But, yeah. Exactly. I mean, that is what, that's the gift that God's given to us. Honey is this is the way we can relate to God when we go we don't know what to say we don't know what to do we don't know how to pray and you start developing this discipline when Paul says praying at all times you will start seeing how that becomes a reality when you immerse yourself in these songs.
4: Okay. also when we yeah. read it together it was really helpful because she thinks we think very yeah. differently from each other yeah. so things that stood out to her were different than the things that stood out to me And then the first time I went through the Psalms was, like, probably at the lowest point in my life. And I think I probably spent, like, three months just in Psalm 1, you know. And everything that stood out to me that really resonated for me, I would write it on an index card and keep it in my pocket and think about it throughout the day to help quiet my mind from other thoughts, but I ended up memorizing a lot of the psalms or mm. portions or verses that way, and you talk about memorizing memorize. them for your prayers and stuff, yeah. but oh, I come back to them and they're like treasures. Yeah. So
0: Yeah. If you were a Puritan minister during the time of the Puritans, oh, you had to memorize the entire psalms to be a minister. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Wait, what? Wow.
5: Really? Yeah. Yes. The whole,
0: entire, the whole
5: of,
0: entire song. You did that. I didn't. It's <laughs> no. <laughs> <He's> not <laughs> an I, I, I didn't
5: minister.
0: Yeah. but I, I mean that's it. that's how key. That, I mean our you know we had Puritans when you know the nation was first formed. I mean that's what they did was to be a minister. You had to memorize the wow. entire. They didn't songs. have TV or sports. That's so that right. Was totally doable. That's right. So anyway, that's my challenge for you. I'm going to end. Thank you. By us all reading. One of the Psalms. And we're going to read it together, alright? Okay. Psalm 91. Yes. And again, I will send you guys the stuff to give you more detail about it. Maybe talking
1: about
0: it. Okay, so we're all going to read as our closing prayer. And you'll probably... Know why I chose this one after, as we start reading it. <laughs> okay. So this Psalm 91, starting at page 316. So we're going to try to do this in concert, <laughs> the best we can. All right.
2: Okay, everyone there. Okay. Page
0: 116. All right, here we go. Ready? Wait, uh, wait, oh, wait. You, you, you let you get, you get to there. Yeah. Okay. All right, we're good. Mm-hmm. Okay, here we go.
1: His faithfulness is a shield and a heart. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor allow the arrow to fly by day. Not the, the pestilence that stalks in darkness, darkness nor, nor the destruction that wastes at you may. A thousand may fall at your side, ten, ten thousand at your right hand, but they, they will, not will not come near you. You, you. you will only look with your eyes, and and see the the recompense of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the the Most High, who is my refuge, refuge. no evil shall be allowed to befall you, no no plague plague come near your tent.
0: For for he will command his angels concerning you to to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, Lest and you strike you your foot against the stone. You will tread him on the lion and the young The young lion and the serpent, serpent you will trample underfoot. your
1: foot. Because he, he, he holds fast,
0: fast to me in love, love. I, will I will deliver him. him. I, will I will protect him, because, him because he knows he my name. When he calls to love me, him. I will answer him. him. I, will I will be, be with, with him, him in trouble I will rescue him him and honor him. him. With With long life life, I will satisfy him and show him him my salvation in all of God's
1: people's Amen.